Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. If you missed our one, definitely listen to the podcast. We went over HR 127. I know I promised to do that previously. Once the text was made available, I didn't get to it until today. I apologize, but we spent an hour on it. It is, again, a horrendous pile of trash. It is one of the worst bills I've ever seen, let alone gun bills that I've ever seen. All right, so we've got this uh, new, new report out on the Paycheck Protection Program. It did not save any jobs and was an inefficient use of funds, according to economists. Hmm. It seems like there was some radio host somewhere whose name rhymes with Casey who might have made a mention of that uh, as we were considering doing it. <sighs> the Small Business Relief Paycheck Protection Program was inefficient and didn't actually save many small business jobs compared to other programs, according to economists. Duh. You know, the way it was it was originally rolled out is just a way, look, we're only going to be closed a few more weeks, so we're just going to have this little, you know, injection of funds. We'll keep people from closing down. Everybody was like, all right, yeah, that's fine. Of course, it's like, you know, inflation is going to come back at some point. And what's happening? Inflation is creeping up. Um, and that was going to happen whether Trump remained president or not. Okay, that's, you know, that's just a, a fact of dealing with the pandemic. We're going to have inflation because of it. Um, at the same time, you know, you're hopeful that, all right, well, okay, don't want small businesses to close down. They can keep their staff right. That's wonderful. And then almost immediately, you know, once it was finalized, you started finding real problems with the text of the language. You started seeing some real issues with the way that they were, you know, requiring businesses to apply. And a lot of small businesses were having very, very large difficulties in even applying to get those funds. And then there was tremendous restrictions placed upon them they had to rehire people back that they weren't sure that they were going to be able to keep in the future it was just this absurd set of of hoops to jump through that didn't make any sense right and then of course the money went to a bunch of places that should not have gotten the money and some of those places gave the money back and a lot of other ones didn't give it back and then you know big corporations took the money while small businesses didn't get them and now we're at a point where over 60 percent of small businesses never going to reopen their doors again they're closed and they're not going to reopen ever again so it's you know we're in this horrible travesty and part of the reason that it didn't work is because you know people like gretchen whitmer exist let's be honest the paycheck protection program or ppp which has received bipartisan approval throughout the pandemic has been criticized by some academic economists as inefficient according to the new york times well yeah Here's a here's a pro tip, okay? This is a lot of you are noobs in this world, okay? Here's a pro tip. When the federal government does anything for the economy, it will be inefficient. Every time. Keep that in your back pocket. You can even laminate it so it doesn't get damaged by the water or your butt sweat. Keep that there. So every time Congress or a president comes out and says, I'm going to do this and be an executive federal fiat, we're going to fix the economy. Every time that happens, just know it's going to be problematic. Every time. The only time it isn't problematic is if you're taking away federal control, like deregulation. 
A Treasury Department analysis released in December found that the program saved 18.6 million jobs, but David Otter, a Massachusetts Institute of Technology economist, MIT, calculated the PPP saved between 1.4 million and 3.2 million jobs. Now, again, in December, if you're doing an analysis, says, oh yeah, it saved 18.6 million jobs. Yeah, for how long? Because a lot of those jobs don't exist anymore. So David Otter basically looked at it and goes, oh, 1.4 million to 3.2 million jobs. A very large chunk of the benefit went to a very small share of the firms, and those were probably the firms least in need. Another issue that we had was a lot of these places who probably shouldn't have got the funds to begin with, well, they got the funds and then they fired people anyway. And they got to keep the funds, which was supposed to be a disqualifier. If the PPP saved as many jobs as Otter calculated, the program would have fallen short of its goal, according to the New York Times. Other coronavirus relief programs, such as unemployment insurance and food assistance, are less costly and more helpful for workers laid off during the pandemic. Yeah, makes sense. It's just a really inefficient use of funds, says Eric Zwick, a University of Chicago economist who has studied the PPP in the New York Times. Many firms that receive PPP loans use the funds for non-payroll fixed payments and to build up savings. Zwick found in a study published in November, uh, such uses of the loans have little effect on employment. But the PPP was established with the explicit purpose of assisting businesses to keep their workforce employed. Now, we already know that. That's the whole point. SBA got involved in it and everything else. You know, look, over the... Over the time, I've had so many people who either looked at business owners who looked at using the PPP funds and said, the hoops that I have to jump through for this don't make it worth it. And then I'm restricted. So, you know, down the line, several months down the line, when the funds run out, I'm still not allowed to lay people off because then I have to repay the loan. And then I start running into real issues. And others were, were, you know, basically saying that just to get the loans was counterproductive. It didn't make a lot of sense. But, you know, it's it's real easy for a lot of big companies to be able, and I'm not asking big companies, but it makes, you know, it's really easy for a big company as a firm on retainer to be able to navigate these waters, while small businesses don't necessarily have that. You know, vast majority of small businesses don't have a lawyer on retainer. Most of them don't even know a lawyer. So you start running into some real issues here. So again, huge waste of money. Every time there is a stimulus or something of that nature, our government wastes the money every single time. And we're going to pay the price down the, down the road. Um, got a bunch of people are super angry at Joe Biden now over the, uh, over the uh, issue of, of the new stimulus payments, which will not be 2000 in addition. It'll be $1,400 to bring your total to 2000 with the 600 you got under President Trump in the second stimulus. So they're looking at giving you 1400 more. Um, on the premium show tomorrow, I'm gonna go over some of the Hollywood people that are pushing an even newer stimulus package. And guess who gets that? Only women. That's right, only women are gonna get that one. So and a bunch of Hollywood celebrities are pushing that. And we all know how much Joe Biden and the Democrats love Hollywood celebrities. Why do you think Kamala Harris's new uh or not new but her her stepdaughter is all of a sudden a supermodel out of thin air right 
Now, I read an article yesterday that was, you know, Hollywood is buying favor with the Biden administration by making uh, Kamala's uh, stepdaughter or daughter-in-law, whatever, whatever she is. I think stepdaughter. A supermodel now. <laughs> uh, I know it doesn't seem real. I know that. I know that a lot of it just seems nutso. I get it. But, you know, you were warned that this is going to be a real problem. And Small Business Administration, I'm sure that they're going to try and refute this in some way. Um, but, you know, it, here's another thing. Okay, According to the SBA, so they released data in December. <clears throat> One last thing, and then we'll go to break. The majority of PPP funds awarded to businesses were given to just 5% of firms. Nearly 600 companies, including many national chains and larger companies, received loans of $10 million, the maximum amount allowed. There's a lot of mom and pops didn't get any help. Didn't have the lawyers, didn't have the, the knowledge to navigate the system, didn't have the certainty to be able to meet the benchmarks without having to repay those, those loans. It was fumbled. That's all there is to it. It was fumbled. And everybody was kind of told that it was going to be a problem going forward. Yeah, sure enough, there you go. It's a problem. Congratulations, you wasted a bunch of money. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Celebrate the 55th edition of the big game, the Booper Soul. With exclusive 55 to 1 odds on FanDuel Sportsbook. So if you've never tried FanDuel before, new users can bet on either team and you get 55 to 1 odds when the Chiefs play the Bucks. So you get $5 bet, you can win 275 bucks if you pick the winner of the big game on February 7th. Now again, FanDuel is super easy to use. As I mentioned before, they have a beginner section. So if you're new to sports betting, you're not going to be thrown to the wolves. It is really easy to navigate. They, they coach you along, makes it very simple for you to be able to win. And for you more advanced bettors out there, they have a ton of betting options like player props and futures, live betting in the middle of games, and they pay you out super fast. You'll get your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Now, all you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Use my promo code, Casey, C-A-S-E-Y, Again, that's all you got to do to get started. FanDuel Sportsbook app, promo code Casey. 21 and over and present in Indiana. New users only. Must wager on designated boost market. Deposit required. Max bonus $275. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you have a gambling problem, please get help. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right. Uh, Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki is dehumanizing the media. That's at least what the headlines would read if it was Kaylee McEnany. Jen Psaki says, I treat reporters like I'm an orderly at an insane asylum. Hmm. That actually is a, a pretty good description. Remember when Jen Psaki ran that whole operation against a Fox News reporter under the Obama administration and everybody just wanted to go ahead and ignore it oh it was just a mistake it was an accident that we ran this whole this whole operation against a fox news reporter mm -hmm. white house press secretary jen Psaki admitted that she treats white house press reporters in the briefing room as if they are patients in an insane asylum could you imagine the backlash that would happen if kaylee mcenany had said this 
when reporters are getting really loud or they're starting to ask crazy questions. Wait a minute, triggered. You're not allowed to say the word crazy anymore. That has been one of the words that has been listed by Michigan University as being offensive. I just slow down my pace. And I talk very quietly, and I treat them like I'm an orderly sometimes in an insane asylum. That, that is what Jen Psaki said in an NPR interview. Well, something else that Jen Psaki does is she says, uh, we'll just, we'll circle back to that. And then she never does. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I just... <laughs> Could you imagine if Kaylee had said that? Could you imagine? I mean, we would have all laughed hysterically at it, but could you imagine if Kaylee had actually said that? The, the actual reaction of the news media, if Kaylee McEnany had said that they were all crazy people inside of an insane asylum, there would have been article after article written about how she is threatening freedom of the press, how she's using very offensive words microaggressions like crazy and calling people insane simply for doing their jobs and all that stuff it it's <laughs> get used to it i look i i know you're all used to double standards but really get used to double standards over the next uh, couple of years um you know at least however long jen Saki lasts uh, the thing about Jen Psaki is that she tends to make really, really big mistakes. Uh, she tends to not cover her tracks when she does something she's not supposed to be doing, which is why she got in trouble the last time, and she'll probably do it again. Uh, also, this is something interesting. Uh, NASA, who used to be about space a couple of months ago, is no longer about space. They're back to being about global warming again, which doesn't exist. Uh, NASA had something very interesting to say. Antarctic sea ice is growing. We keep having these stories. It's weird to keep having these stories. I don't know why we keep having these stories because it just, I don't know, it's, it seems like if you have enough of these stories over and over again, you, you start to say, well, you know what, there's a little bit of a pattern. Sea ice in the Southern Ocean defies predictions. Observations show that ice extent in the Antarctic has been growing slightly. And they don't know why. Hmm. I don't know. It's very strange how that how that happens. Paul Holland, a climate modeler with the British Antarctic Survey, has spent the last ten years studying Antarctic's, uh, Antarctica's sea ice in the in the Southern Ocean. Lately, he has been scrutinizing the seasons of Antarctica and has and how fast the ice comes and goes. Holland thinks these seasons may be key to a conundrum. If Earth's temperatures are getting warmer, they're they're not. And sea ice in the Arctic has been shrinking fast. It's, it's not. Uh, then why is sea ice in the Antarctic slowly increasing? There's this little thing called the shifting of the poles. Just throwing it out there. Shifting of the which we all by the way we know happens and is happening right now. Is we we can see that. The poles are shifting. <laughs> but you got to write the articles, right? You gotta, we don't know what's going on. It's a conundrum. Not really. Remember when they told you the Great Barrier Reef was dead? You're never going to see it again? Remember that? 
Remember when they told you the polar bears were gone? Remember when they told you the Adelaide penguins were gone? Remember all of that stuff? Yeah, all lies. Every single solitary bit of it. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. Go to rbcarcompany.com. <laughs> I just I just noticed that Breitbart.com has a COVID-1984 section. That's hysterical. Anyway, another Jen Psaki story. A couple of people reminded me. I had it in the show prep, and I just I forgot it when I mentioned Jen Psaki earlier. A couple of people in the live stream reminded me that they got caught pre-screening questions at the press briefings. The Biden administration did. Biden staffers have pre-screened reporters ahead of Jen Psaki's briefings to see what they plan to ask the White House press secretary, according to a report from the left-wing Daily Beast. The outlet cited three sources with knowledge of the matter and written communications that revealed that the Biden administration has already, on occasion, probed reporters to see what questions they plan on asking new White House press secretary Jen Psaki when called upon during briefings less than two weeks into the new administration. The report suggests that Saki would have some idea of what reporters plan to ask prior to formally presenting their questions. Despite that, her circle back answers on tough questions have become a staple of her press briefings. She actually, we played you the uh, super cut of this the other day, and she actually went on uh, social media and was mocking right-wing agitators or some other nonsense for the circle back thing. And a reporter actually this week, was it this week? Um, might have been like Friday. Anyway, a reporter that she had said, we'll circle back to that. So again, she doesn't want to answer something instead of saying, ah, you know, we're not going to answer that now. Instead of saying that, what she says is, you know, we'll circle back to that in, in a little bit. So what ended up happening is she has not been circling back to these questions. That's the point. And one of the reporters that she said, we'll circle back to it for, I don't remember who it was. I apologize. But they then asked the question again. Hey, you told me you're going to circle back and get me an answer. Do we have an answer? Guess what she did? Oh, we'll circle back to it again. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> so they're pre-screening questions. She's circling back. When they ask her to follow up with the circle back, she's circling back again. I... I which is actually not at all surprising because this is exactly how they conducted the relationship with the media on the campaign trail. It's the exact same way. Biden wasn't allowed to talk to the media. He rarely talked to the media. When he did, it was a disaster. And so they did everything they could to avoid it. And they consistently locked the media out of, out of appearances. They routinely would not allow Biden to take questions and then it's it, they're running it the same way uh, i've got an article in politico why you haven't seen a sit-down interview with biden yet i'll tell you what that says coming up on 95.3 mnc and good afternoon thank you for tuning in news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel i am your host casey hendrickson i want to take you back in time when I told you Joe Biden's not going to do a bunch, he'll do a couple little things. He's going to delegate everything else out. Remember that? All those months ago, 
he's going to delegate everything out. He's not going to he's not going to really do a whole lot. He'll have a couple of things that he focuses on, but pretty much all of his handlers are going to go do the busy work. That's what's going to happen. Well, here's an article Politico. Why you haven't seen a sit-down Biden interview yet? Hmm. Joe Biden waited nearly four decades to become the most powerful man in the free world. Uh, allegedly free world. Biden is leaning on doctors and health experts to publicly detail his COVID policies, relying on his cabinet, economic advisors, and other high-ranking administration officials to help sell his nearly $2 trillion rescue package. Biden's press team, meanwhile, is standing in for their boss by blanketing TV programs with pledges to tell the truth, even when it's inconvenient, which of course they're not doing already. It's one of the most arresting shifts after four years of a president who delighted in torturing the media with sudden pronouncements that often surprised and befuddled his own advisors. I got it. Every time Trump called a surprise press conference, it made me smile. I didn't care what he was talking about because I knew how much it irritated the reporters that were there in the pool. Absolutely loved it. So anyway, the gist of it is that Biden is just letting everybody kind of delegate. He's delegating his authority to everybody else. They're, he's letting them all handle it, so he's not handling it. And you also have to understand, every time he gives an interview, it's bad. It's never good. The president hasn't exactly been absent either. He appeared for brief ceremonies where he signed executive orders and delivered mostly scripted remarks. He's taken a handful of questions from the news media, and he's expected to give a major foreign policy address on Monday amid a planned trip to the State Department. Okay, so anyway... The gist of it is Biden is delegating his authority to other people. Those other people are speaking to all of you, and he's really not talking to you all that much. Exactly as I predicted. Hashtag told you. Again. Uh, now, some people are going to go, well, that's not proof of anything, Casey. Well, sure. Yeah, fair fair point. Um, did you catch the video where he was sitting there at the, uh, at the, uh, the, the president's desk, and he handed him something to sign, and he said, I don't even know what I'm signing. <laughs> did you catch that video? And he had another video here just a couple of days ago where he was in the Oval Office and he didn't sound very good. And he's coughing, sounded incoherent again, just, just didn't sound like he was all there. Two years. Two years. Then Kamala will take over. That's my prediction. Two years, then Kamala takes over because then she can have uh, 10 years in office. Theoretically. If it goes their way. So just, that's my that's my theory. I've seen a couple of other people post it too, but um, that would be my guess. If they can keep him there for for two years, then that's what they'll do. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate it. Uh, make sure you go to dlive.tv/slash Casey the host. Watch these live streams. Also, my website theburningtruth.us for podcasts and daily show prep. Here's Bill O'Reilly.